Hello and welcome to a happy New Year's Eve edition of On Iowa Politics. This week, the top political stories of 2022. Hi, I'm James Lynch of the Cedar Rapids Gazette, and with me today are Tom Barton of the Quad City Times. Good morning, Tom. Good morning. Amy Rivers of the Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, James. Happy New Year. And Aaron Murphy, State House Bureau Chief for Lee Newspapers. Good morning, Aaron. Good morning, James. And Gazette Opinion Editor Todd Dorman. Good morning, Todd. Good morning. You can find us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to On Iowa Politics wherever you find your podcast. So we've been staring into our magic eight balls, studying tea leaves, and consulting the constellations um, to decide what will be the top Iowa political stories of the coming year. Things like the reinstatement of President Donald Trump, for example. Um, Aaron... Let's get started here. What do you think the the top Iowa political news stories will be uh, in the coming year, in 2022? What we'll be talking about a year from now? One of the big ones, and there's any number, so, which is good because there's five of us that got to talk about this. So, One of the ones that I'll be watching for is the fate of the first in the nation status uh, for the Iowa caucuses, and, and, and particularly on the Democratic side. As ever, there's a certain degree of unrest among the national Democrats about Iowa being first, especially on the Democratic side. What's new this time around is the recent, let's, it's, it's the holiday season, so let's be nice and, and say kerfuffle that uh, took place with the 2020 caucuses. And so um, that groundswell, that movement to displace Iowa from first in the nation has really grown this time around. And so the, the DNC in 2022 will be having some uh, big meetings and possibly starting those discussions about the denominating calendar for 2024. And, and it will be interesting to monitor that and, and, and see if anything comes of it this time around. I will note that we just recently here had a, a story from Politico where maybe it sounds like the temperature is coming back down a little bit in the room. Um, for a couple of reasons, uh, the story can, talks about Democrats, national Democrats saying not so much that they're fine with Iowa being first, but more that they feel like they have bigger fish to fry right now. And President Biden appears to be headed towards running for re-election anyways, which means there's not really going to be a competitive Democratic primary slash caucus. So so maybe at least for the time being that the pitchforks are not quite as well lit, but, but it will be interesting to see as the year goes along if that maintains or, or if that hunger to make a change manifests itself and, 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 we, and we see the National Democratic Party making moves to actually change the calendar. That, that's obviously a huge deal for Iowa and Iowa politics and uh, something that will be worth watching and and I think will one way or the other be a pretty significant story in 2022. Yeah, I I think one of the most uh, interesting lines in that political story about the fate of the caucuses was uh, the one, uh, I think it was the South Carolina uh, party official who said, Iowa is effed. It's just a matter of if they're effed in 2024 or 2028. So uh, this is, it it probably will continue to be a, a top news story. Yeah, it may just be a stay of execution, not a, uh, not yeah. a granting of parole. <laughs> not a, uh, not a commutation. Right. 
I think the the quote was from a unnamed DNC member. Um, but I think the other interesting line in that story that that stood out to me was from um, uh, Iowa Democratic uh, strategist Jeff Link talking about how, you know, since the 80s, right after a caucus, there's a lot of energy to do something different. And then the reality sets in that you have to get 49 states to agree on what the alternative is. And it's harder to, to, to change it than it is to, to leave it as it is. And I guess the, the interesting thing um, to, to watch for that may come out next year is, you know, OK, so so what is that um, alternative? You know, do you do you I don't know elevate South Carolina on, on, on the calendar? What other, I don't know, states do, do you, do you bring in or, or move up on the calendar? I think, I think that'll be interesting in, in, in how much agreement you can get from within the party, within the DNC to, to agree on some sort of, I don't know, new schedule or framework. Yeah. I, I thought that line stood out to me though, but mostly uh, I've since been in contact with my, with my lawyers to see if I can sue Jeff Link for plagiarism. Cause I know I've said that uh, here <laughs> on the podcast and on Iowa press before too. That, that sounded too familiar. I think he ripped me off, but, but seriously, that, that is how kind of always been, been the case. The point is there's 48 States that agree Iowa shouldn't be first. Then when you ask him, okay, what should we do? All of a sudden that unity starts to dissolve. So yeah. Like I said on Twitter, hashtag inertia. Half the reason Iowa stays first is because nobody can figure out an alternative. Yeah, and one of the states that uh, probably is in Iowa's corners is uh, New Hampshire, where the Secretary of State, Bill Gardner, has said, we're going before anybody else. You know, they have a state law that says they have a primary before anybody else does. So, uh, you know, whatever the DNC decides, New Hampshire may just say we're sticking to our schedule um, and they, that'll be something that have to work out. Um, and I don't get the impression that New Hampshire is really in a, a bargaining mood uh, over their first in the nation primary status. Is it possible <laughs> yeah. you could freeze out New Hampshire if you're the party? Like you could basically um, say, okay, New Hampshire, you can have your primary like in, you know, three years before the election. And then we're just going to ignore that until, you know, we have, you know, our agreed upon primary, you know, at a later date. Would that essentially make yeah. it irrelevant? They could do that. And uh, I mean, I think the Republican Party did something like that with, was it Florida who wanted to have their uh, caucus or primary early, and they said, "Sure, go ahead, but we're not going to seat your delegates." Now, in the end, oh. I think they ended up seating some of the delegates. So, so the parties can do that; they can just say, "Yeah, you can have your primary, in New Hampshire, but we're not going to, uh, right. you know, recognize the results. We're not going to seat your delegates." Uh, and then New Hampshire Democrats might say, "Like, well, maybe we ought to, you know, think about mm -hmm. changing this." Um, but uh, I think, as and I feel compelled now that. Aaron has threatened us with legal action that I, I'll give him credit for saying that, you know, <laughs> inertia may rule the day. <laughs> That's right. uh, it's easier I, to I do also, nothing than to try and. Right. Yeah. I also got to laugh, Jim, as you said, um, it depends on whether New Hampshire's in a uh, bargaining, whether they're in a bargaining mood. Uh, that made me chuckle. Cause I think if you ask Iowa Democrats who have been trying to finesse the caucuses and, make them more accommodating, but not make them more like an actual primary election to, to ask and ask them how much they feel 
uh, New Hampshire Democrats are are in a bargaining mood ever over <laughs> their spot and their role and what the caucuses and and in a, in a primary should look like. I don't I don't think uh, bargaining is in their vocabulary when it comes to their first in the nation. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Tom, uh, what's uh, the top news story from uh, your perspective? Uh, God, I hate to say it, but COVID. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, uh, I know, He's right? right? He's but right but there. I mean, you look you you look at you look at the numbers. Um, you look at um, the. Um, what's the, the the introduction of of the Omicron variant and. Um, Today, um, you had, um, at least here in the Quad Cities, but we've seen this um, across the state, um, you had uh, hospital officials um, put out a, a brochure um, and, you know, essentially begging and pleading with people to take this pandemic seriously, to, to, to get vaccinated you know, to, to, to wear masks. They talked about um, cases are at the highest level um, they've been at since the surge in November of 2020. Hospital beds are full. ICUs are, are full. Ventilators are running short. Critically ill patients, some on ventilators, are waiting hours in the emergency departments to be admitted or transferred. Staff is overwhelmed. Um, there are, you know, um, critical or serious um, uh, hospital staffing shortages that they're trying to deal with on top of um, just the, um, the, the, the physical and mental exhaustion um, of these, of these um, frontline healthcare workers. Um, and, and so uh, sadly, I, 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 that's the top story um, and, and will be the top story um, until, um, uh, as, as one, um, physician here in our area, um, um, wrote, uh, in, in a letter to the editor of the Quad City Times, um, it, it this will continue to be the top story and, and still be the case until, um, people stop believing the COVID pseudoscience mm-hmm. and until yeah. politicians and, and, and lawmakers, you know, stop, um, providing a, a, a platform, um, for, um, you know, for that pseudoscience to, to, to spread and, 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 you know, stop providing a, a platform for, um, um, you know, people to, uh, to, you know, downplay or not take this pandemic seriously. Right. Right. What was the number of the other day? The year that, that COVID becomes Go endemic. Ahead, which is to say, is that when when it's going to become, you know, so ubiquitous around the world that it'll just become like the flu? Is twenty that that seems, yeah. I mean, I I can see that happening where you know you'll get a flu shot and a, a COVID shot every year, um, you know, and as these new variants emerge, that may be the case. Now that I saw a headline today. Uh, I didn't get a chance to read the story, but apparently the army has developed a COVID vaccine that they say will basically cover all the variants, um, which certainly would be good news if people get it. Um, all the variants but, so uh, far that we've identified. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's always sort of the, the asterisk uh, so far. 
but um, yeah, certainly I think COVID is going to continue to be a story and, and uh, unfortunately. Yeah. And you're going to continue to see, um, you know, legal and political battles um, carry over and play out in 2022 over um, workplace vaccine mandates. And, you know, that, you know, that's, that issue is, is, you know, at some point probably going to come to a head in 2022. Well, and, and there's talk uh, among some state legislators to introduce a bill that would prevent um, like employers from demanding or requiring of uh, uh, vaccinations of their employees. Um, I, I don't know how that's going to go over with, you know, the business groups that opposed the previous legislation that uh, lawmakers approved on, um, you know, saying if you quit your job because you don't want to get a, a vaccine, you can get unemployment benefits. Um, you know, so they, they may not look on this legislation very favorably, but, you know, those sorts of things are out there. And, uh, you know, until people actually choose to believe the science rather than the pseudoscience, it'll continue to be a, a problem. Amy, your top political story. I'm up. All right. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about um, potential legislation that's coming through. It's not as sexy, but it's totally just as sexy. So basically um, a couple stories that I did with legislation that was introduced at least, um, but didn't pass for whatever reason, um, but is likely to come back next year. So uh, two things. One, the uh, anti, okay, so opponents call it an anti-trans bill. Sandy Salmon would call it um, the Saving Women's Sports Act, which is actually um, legislation from the Alliance Defending Freedom, which they've passed out to several conservative states, several of whom have passed such legislation or similar legislation like it. Um, she introduced this last year and then immediately withdrew it. Um, I think just to like put it on people's radars, they want to kind of um, suss out the NCAA. Um, the NCAA has said um, if you, you know states that put in this legislation um, could be at risk of like losing NCAA um, tournaments. I don't know if that or how that affects Iowa in as a whole, but I think that they wanted to sort of check that out and and see other states do this and see if it was successful before they brought it back. But she told me last year she definitely wants to bring this bill back. The other one is um, the anti-PSO bill, which is what supporters would call it. You know, Of course, this is um, a big issue for Cedar Falls. Cedar Falls has the first, so far only in the state, um, public safety officer model. Basically, your combined police fire department um, cross-trained as one department. Because they're the first, there's a ton of pushback, including in Cedar Falls. This is an election issue every year since it's been um, basically fully implemented in the last four or five years. So basically, the recourse for people is the legislature. They did look like they were on board with this um, last year. It passed the House by a super wide margin. Um, even Cedar Valley legislatures... Um, we're in favor of this. Bob Kressig um, represents Cedar Falls, and he said he's in favor of it. He's not. He's got some concerns with the program himself. Um, so this is um, very much, you know, something that's going to come back next year. And the bill is so narrowly tailored. It basically says if you're a Regent University city, you cannot have such a combined department. Obviously, this doesn't affect that many cities. Ames doesn't have a combined department. Iowa City doesn't have a combined department. So this is definitely just a shot across the bow to Cedar Falls. Um, the good news is 
that basically the anti-PSO contingent didn't really win in November um, as, as far as the city leadership. So it might be an issue that gets punted back. Um, but because it got so much traction in the House, it also very well has a chance of sailing through. So those are the two I'll be watching for sure here. Right. It's interesting um, in talking to uh, Speaker of the House, Pat Grassley, this week, we asked him about a number of bills that um, aren't necessarily coming from leadership, the trans legislation. Uh, we didn't talk specifically about the PSO situation, but his response a number of times was, well, just because somebody says they want a bill doesn't mean it's going to happen. Just because somebody you know, sponsors a bill doesn't mean it's going to happen, and, 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 which is absolutely true. But when the Speaker of the House is saying that, it seems like, yeah, that's probably not going to happen. So Maybe it's going to be interesting happen. to yeah. watch, the, you know, how how they handle Sandy Salmon's bill on banning trans athletes from participating at the high school and college levels. Um, if they're already saying, well, anybody can say anything, you know, but that doesn't make it a law. <laughs> Do you think he's also saying it in order to not necessarily mobilize that opposition quite yet? Because obviously they would have an impetus right. to, to keep that tamped down. Right. And, and maybe he's looking down the road and saying, heck, Sandy's going to run for the Senate in 2022. So, right. you know, I'll, I'll let the Senate worry about it, you know, and uh, sure. when she gets over there. Um, and they're probably more predisposed to it than the House is. So, uh, if, you know, if he can if he can mollify her for one more session, uh, then it's somebody else's problem. <laughs> yeah, that's very that's very true. It could be possible. Yeah. Well, I think. Uh, whether we like it or not, one of the big stories of 2022 is going to be elections. Uh, the midterms are coming up and we've got, uh, you know, a full slate of candidates that are elections here with the Senate governor, the uh, U.S. House and, and legislative races that will dominate our agendas uh, through the spring, summer and, and fall. Um, and uh, it's you know, uh, it, it seems like Iowa is a pretty red state, so I expect that those Republicans um, in office stand a pretty good chance of getting reelected. Um, the Republicans this week have been talking about a poll done by For Progress Iowa, uh, a left-leaning group here, and, um, that showed that uh, uh, Senator Grassley would defeat uh, Abby Finkenau or something like... Um, 59 to 39 percent uh, uh, that the governor, Governor Reynolds, would win by you know, like three or four percentage points. Um, so they've been crowing about that this week. Um, I'm sure we'll see more and more polls um, throughout <laughs> the coming year, uh, giving us plenty of fodder for uh, future editions of On Iowa Politics. But uh, uh, before we get there, I need to ask Todd, uh, what's at the top of the charts for 2022? Well, you know, we've, I think we've all seen the movie Groundhog Day. And, uh, so we're, you know, uh, I've got you, babe, is going to play on our clock radio January 1st. And we're going to find that COVID is still running rampant and we'll be wondering what, potential reckless things the legislature will decide to do and you know and we've got high stakes elections which we seem to you know even in 2001 locally and then in other states we had high stakes elections and uh so you know uh 
Amy mentioned the the trans the transgender sports ban. Uh, I think the even more you know frightening possibility is that they're going to take gender identity out of the civil rights code, which some lawmakers are are pushing for. Uh, you know, are they going to are they going to do some sort of abortion ban that's triggered by a Roe v. Wade, you know, strike down in the Supreme Court? Uh, you know, are they going to are they going to make a felony offense for teachers and school staff who disseminate books that they think are obscene? I mean, so they could go pretty far. I mean, on some of this stuff, cooler heads have prevailed in recent years. I mean, because you know you have the business community and lots of economic development folks who look at this stuff and say, please don't pass this and make Iowa like a, you know, a civil rights pariah state uh, where we can't get an NCAA tournament, where we can't get, where, where progressive companies won't move, where young professionals won't want to live because they don't, you know, agree with this stuff. So, I mean, at the same time, we're, you know, there's the This Is Iowa campaign, which shows a very different state than what we hear on the floor of the, of the legislature where, you know, they don't take on, you know, the, a lot of, uh, a lot of pictures of people enjoying the natural resources, but, you know, no, no mention that the water's dirty. So, uh, as far as the elections are concerned, yeah, I mean, I agree that it's a red state. I, I actually think the, the gubernatorial race will be more interesting maybe than, than some people think. Uh, I think there are a lot of issues out there that Democrats can capitalize on. I mean, there's, you know, we've, we've got a state where the, you know, the prison system is overpopulated and understaffed. We've got a mental health system that needs help. The federal government's, you know, criticizing the state for keeping too many people in, in institutions instead of integrating them into communities. Uh, the training school in Eldora has had problems, although it seems they're maybe making some progress. So there's just all of these kind of fundamental governmental roles that seem to be sort of uh, sort of cracks are emerging, and maybe those are the places where Democrats can criticize the Republican governor and and you know and if COVID continues and and people feel like things are on the wrong track, that's that's never good for an incumbent. It'll be bad for Joe Biden, but it could also be bad for for Kim Reynolds. Yeah, that's a good. If I can just tack on to that, if we if we are allowed in this format of what's the going to be the biggest political story of twenty twenty two, if we are allowed hypotheticals, if if Democrats win one of those two elections, that 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 locks this discussion down. If if Chuck Grassley or Kim Reynolds are defeated next year, that that's the biggest political story of twenty twenty two in Iowa. You know, hands down, short of. James Lynch announcing he's running for president or something just uh, uh, crazy like that. <laughs> huge, huge, if, huge, if true. <laughs> so, so that's, you know, uh, Democrats have their challenges in both races, certainly in the Senate race. Uh, I think Todd's right. I, you know, everybody, there are signals that, that Kim Reynolds will be tough to beat, but at the same time, I think we, we sometimes lose sight that she won by a whopping 2.8 percentage points four years ago. Um, and that was before COVID and, and any number of new issues to, to, to Todd's point that Democrats will be able to raise and talk about. So so um, if, if Democrats are able to win that race and, and undo the Republican trifecta at the statehouse, that's it. That's game over for this discussion. 
that's it. Well, that's it's, the story. The, the abortion issue in and of itself could change some dynamics. I mean, I know we're always talking about, well, how are the, how are suburban voters going to vote? And that's one of those issues. I mean, you see the polling, you know, the majority of Iowans, I think it's like 59% in the Iowa poll said abortion should be legal in all, or at least most, most circumstances, some circumstances. Uh, and, and if, you know, if the Republican brand basically is we're, we're banning abortion in 28 states and, and, you know, all of the problems that that's going to cause and, and, you know, taking away a right that people have had for women have had for 50 years. Uh, I don't, I don't think that's going to necessarily help Republicans beyond their, you know, their pro-life base, which is already with them on that issue. So I think they risk, you know, with, with stuff like that, they risk alienating other voters. For every action, there is a reaction. Yeah. And always beware of, of the coronation, because sometimes they don't work out that way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, and I, I just want to put to rest one of those uh, predictions uh, from Aaron, that I have no intentions of Aww. running <laughs> running for president. <laughs> I would have voted for you, James. Well, oh, geez. I, I'll have to reconsider. I mean, you got you to... <laughs> You, you gotta, you gotta say, never say never. But that is not my plan at this point. That's right. At, at, least, at least for 2022. I'm, I've decided to run for president so I can spend less time with my family. Yes. <laughs> frankly, my we've been, frankly, we've been holed up mine. during the during the pandemic, and it's you know it's I, I need to, I need to get out. <laughs> any excuse <laughs> well that's it for this edition of on iowa politics if any of these predictions come to pass or i should say when they come to pass we'll talk about them on a future edition of on iowa politics if you enjoy the broadcast tell a friend and subscribe to us wherever you find your podcasts send your fan mail to podcast at the gazette.com and don't forget that the work of everyone you heard today can be found on the pages and websites of the Quad City Times, the Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier, Sioux City Journal, Mason City Globe Gazette, Muscatine Journal, Council Bluffs, Daily Nonpareil, and the Cedar Rapids Gazette. Lojo Russo will take us out. If you know an Iowa band or musician who should be on our show, send us a sound file and subscribe to On Iowa Politics. For Aaron, Amy, Todd, Tom, and our producer, Stephen, I'm James Lynch. Thanks for listening. Be well. Happy New Year. 